Well, hello, Stu. Got a little dicey today with the politics and everything that was happening yesterday. So many big stories in one day. What a weird 24 hours. Yeah. Like, all of these huge stories, including the Prime Minister of Poland talking about how two politicians went to the presidential palace there and they were arrested. And the president had already pardoned them and everything else. And he said, for the first time since communism, we have political prisoners. And then in Canada, the, the, the reporter that was arrested on the street for, uh, what was it, attacking a police officer? And the video is there. That's not what happened at all. Um, shocking the way we are regressing. President also came out, and he's going to have the Department of Labor, Labor um, uh, put out the uh, put out the same thing that Gavin Newsom did for gig workers. It's working well to, to for Gavin Newsom. They're in the middle of a budget emergency, so yeah. I mean, why not replicate what they're doing out there? Right. We also have uh, news on the election, the debates, uh, the town hall from last night. And so much more, all on today's podcast, brought to you by Patriot Mobile. When it comes to your mobile carrier, if you have to choose between great service or giving your money to a company that believes in your values, which do you choose? I don't know, but I don't want to have to choose. I mean, I want great service, and I want to give my money to a company that believes in the same things I do. Well, if that's you, switch to Patriot Mobile. Their mission is to passionately defend our God-given constitutional rights and freedom and to glorify God always. They put cause ahead of profits, and that's one reason I am proud to partner with them. Uh, On top of having everything that you could possibly want in a mobile phone plan, you know, if you're on one of the major networks, one of the three major networks, you're going to get exactly the same coverage. And Patriot Mobile doesn't send your hard-earned money to aid in the destruction of America. So why don't we support the companies that support us, that like us, want to do business with us, and love America as well? They have affordable plans for your budget, excellent coverage, top-notch U.S.-based customer service, and they're going to make sure that making the switch is super easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Beck or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation when you use the offer code Beck. Join me. Make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. It's Thursday. Maybe later we can go through some of this polling on the border, Glenn, because, uh, you know, it's a huge vulnerability for Biden going into this election. Huge. catastrophic. 45% say it's a crisis. <laughs> crisis. I am surprised it's that low. Well, the, all the when, other they're, ch- when they're kicking people out of their schools. Oh, my gosh. In, uh, in what is that? Uh, New York, right? Yeah, New yeah, York. Brooklyn. In fact, do we, have the, do we have the video of that? It is. It's astounding. Play the video of that. Of the of them being ejected. Here we go. You can go. Kids it's a mom. That's the mom. Why are you yelling at them? Because I have a right to. That's why. That's why. Because I'm an agitated mother. That's why. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll do that. I mean, I doubt. Incomprehensible. I doubt this mom. Mm. Taking over my kids' school. Yeah. I doubt this mom was, you know, a, 
a diehard voter one way or another. I mean, there's going to be a lot of my, might be, but yeah, who knows? Uh, they're, mo- they're moms first. Mm-hmm. And their kids are being kept mm-hmm. out of school mm-hmm. and told they got to go someplace else because all of these migrants are coming in. Not migrants, I'm sorry. Illegal aliens coming in. And they're just taking the schools. What the hell is happening? Mm-hmm. It's legitimately mm-hmm. shocking. It's shocking also 2,000 people you know nothing about. You don't know if these are criminals or felons or mass murderers. And they just moved <laughs> into this neighborhood 2,000 at once. It's incredible. It's an unconscionable story. Wait until wait until you see this documentary on Blaze TV on Colony Ridge, the new documentary with me and and uh, Jason uh, Buttrell on right now. You can watch it at blazetv.com slash Glenn. If you're not a subscriber, you'll need to subscribe. Use Colony Ridge and you'll save 30 bucks or 30 percent off your Blaze TV um uh, membership blaze tv plus this documentary is for blaze tv people only it is really amazing truly amazing and we can only make these things because of you and uh, try to find the the real story and the real story on this has been missed by almost everybody they the got, real story on colony ridge yeah it's been missed by everybody And we expose it because it was so when you actually go down and you're trying to find the truth, Mm -hmm. it's not what you heard. And it's not necessarily, you know, what the development says either. Okay, those Mm. are polar opposites of each other of each other. So what is the real truth and what's the real story? And you'll see that Mm. tonight on the documentary blaze TV dot com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Colony Ridge. But this does not, this is the fastest growing development in Texas. This is going to be everywhere. And you'll understand why tonight. I I mean, everywhere. Aren't they selling like 200 lots a day or something ridiculous? It's It's out of control what's going on. Yeah, it's crazy. It's going to be the biggest city in the southeast or southwest pretty soon. Oh, I mean... It is 30 minutes outside of Houston. Yeah. And uh, it's already, what, 70,000 people? Mm, well, you'll find out tonight. Oh, okay. That's what some All people right. say. Mm-hmm. That's what some people say. You'll see tonight. It's pretty <laughs> amazing. Uh, and you know where we got the official number? The schools. Mm. Oh, they'd know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd know. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Anyway. It's poor people living in the shadows. I don't know what your deal is with them. They're Glenn. just here to make yeah. a better life for right, themselves. Right. Just a bunch yeah. of families yeah. coming in, it's, I would, wanting I, a better I, life. It, I, the word I would use is not emergency. I would say it's uh, invasion. Yeah. Well, that's the word that people agree with most now. They just did a study on that, uh, a survey. And rather than a crisis, they're saying it's an invasion. The American people are starting to wake up to it. I, I don't know if they're awake enough to elect a new leader who's going to do something about this, but I sure hope so. Well, Mike Lee is on today <laughs> because Mike Lee is saying no budget, no border, no budget. No border, no budget. That's the way it should be. Uh, that's what Chip Roy is saying. You know, they, they, they torpedoed 12 of them torpedoed the uh, budget uh, yesterday in the House. 
because it included nothing on the border. Nothing on the border. Laughable. I mean, this this charade we went through with throwing McCarthy right. out as if it was going to make some right. difference, and then the exact Didn't. same deal comes back. Yeah, I, a lot of the people who were responsible for that, I haven't heard word one uh, from. By the <laughs> I way, no. Uh, but I mean, it was just, it was just a waste of time. I mean, I, have, I don't care about McCarthy. I don't care. I, like, and I don't think Johnson's the worst guy in the world or anything. But like, there's no change here. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing. They're in this. There's they're restrained the same way. They can't they can't do anything. They they fail over and over again when they have power. I mean, it's it's pathetic. Who's so. best equipped? Do you think after uh, everything we've seen so far in this campaign to do something substantial on the border? To finally, would it be Trump? Would it be DeSantis? I think Vivek, it would be Nikki Haley. I mean, who do you have the most faith in to do uh, something on the border? Yeah. I think Trump and DeSantis are side kind by of there. side. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, Vivek's pretty strong on, yeah, know, Vivek, from what I've heard of. Right, but I don't know if he would have the muscle. I think he would yeah. make a uh, a decent vice president because I think he could explain things. He mm-hmm. could be out on the road, be a bully pulpit. Uh, he's a bulldog, too. Yeah, I mean, he's he, a bulldog. You he see, you've seen him with the press over the past few weeks, especially. Gosh, great. Very, very, very good. I, you know, look, there's a lot... It's so weird. I think people are so polarized on on Vivek, and it's like I don't know. I mean, I, mm-hmm. he's got something to offer. I really do think that. I mean, he he is. He's just super smart. He's super smart. He's very good. He's. I mean, he really does. You've mentioned this before. I know Glenn with Vivek as a potential Trump VP type of candidate, and it's like, you know, I mean, you could see it. You know, mm-hmm. he's a, he sort of has a a younger, um, uh, more. Uh, certainly a different approach let's say a more well-spoken and sort of refined approach than trump but he's a bulldog in the same way and like what you might point out as as issues with vivek if you're looking at him generally like you know occasionally he does go down certain roads and he's had some odd comments on say you know 9-11 for example Mm -hmm. that might cause a normal candidate problems that that's not going to cause donald trump any problems okay hang on (laughs) it's a care at all that would be like oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, whatever i don't care yeah uh but let me ask you on 9-11 there are many conspiracies about 9-11 steel doesn't melt comes to mind sure then how do you make it into a beam? <laughs> they, how do they shape uh, it so well? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, World Trade Center number seven collapsing later that day is really the conspiracy theory. There's a hundred million conspiracy theories. I don't, you know, I don't embrace any of them. But still, like, you know, I think if you talk to Vivek, he's not saying, well, it's will World Trade Center 7. Pulled he's saying like, OK, well, they lied to us about Saudi Arabia's involvement. He's not like. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. I wish he'd clear I that up. I agree with though, that. Yeah. He makes it sound like he's Alex Jones on the issue. And he's I don't think he is. And then you might have you might think that because he brings Alex Jones on his podcast and Which, then goes on Alex Jones' podcast. But so, who am I? Again, I, I think mm. that he has something to offer. But like his vulnerabilities as a candidate, the places he's, you know, weak or questionable as a, as a lead candidate are all issues that Donald Trump could roll through without even thinking about it on a Tuesday afternoon. Yes. Like none of those problems That's that Vivek sure. might pre- present to a Nikki Haley. He doesn't present any of those problems to Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, no. True. And Donald Trump will be like, oh, yeah, well, actually, I think it was a conspiracy. It wasn't. He'll, like, outdo Vivek. I on saw all George things. Bush plant the explosives. <laughs> he doesn't care. He'll go whatever. So, like, I, you know, it's, it's an interesting fit because, you know, Vivek would be able to go on all of these shows and just constantly roll over media people attacking Trump. And if that if that's a job you'd think Trump would really like to have a bulldog. You know, Pence was a different pick. 
Pence was like, hey, a lot of, uh, you know, evangelical people don't trust me right now in 2016. I need mm -hmm. someone who will give me that credibility. And Pence filled that role and basically didn't, you know, never disagreed with him for four years. I mean, I know everyone talks about January 6th, but like before January 6th, Pence was very subservient to Donald Trump basically mm -hmm. the entire time. And like, I don't know, you watch Vivek on stage. He's almost doing that already. Right? Like yeah, I, yes. He literally said yes. while running for president in a debate that Donald Trump was the best president of his lifetime. And it's like, if Why you, are you believe running against that, him, let him run again. Let's yeah. let him be president. We right. don't need you if we have him still. Uh, but, you know, Vivek as a number two in that role. There is there's something to it. However, I think he, however, let's play the the game of you need all of the Republicans uh, that would lead me to believe if if Nikki Haley does well in in Iowa, if mm -hmm. she comes in second in Iowa and, uh, you know, you you leave DeSantis kind of in the dust. I think DeSantis could be done. If DeSantis uh, finishes third, he's toast, right? There's no way to come if it's back. It's a close third, you know, if it's like one or two know. points away. I mean, you're I, in I Iowa. He's put all of his resources there. If he finishes There's almost third, no path, that's, I think. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Other than... Trump is in a gulag, right? Like yeah. they, they take Trump off the ballot somehow. You know, something like that, you might say, okay, he's playing for second. If it was him versus Nikki Haley, all polling of, of Republicans shows he would he would beat Nikki Haley easily. But the question is, when when given the Trump the three-way choice here with Trump and Haley and DeSantis, hmm. the DeSantis pe people who like DeSantis are more likely to vote for Trump. If Trump isn't there, DeSantis may say, okay, well, I have a path forward. You know, I mean, again, we have to take these things seriously because, you know, the entire U.S. government seems to be aligned to try to destroy Donald Trump. So you have to think of what happens as a secondary choice here. And so DeSantis might see a path forward there. But in a traditional primary, if all he has spent all of his resources in Iowa, if he finishes third, there's a new poll today that shows him in third, by the way, um, if that Ooh. is true. Uh, and that is, uh, and it's hard to believe, mm. but if that is true, Man. he's got to be toast, right? Like that, the, if you spend all of this time, all of these resources on Iowa and you finish third behind Nikki Haley in a state that's like Iowa, mm -hmm. that's this catastrophic is where for that his campaign. Really cold, cold front could help DeSantis yeah. because his people are going to be hopefully motivated. If he's behind Nikki Haley, uh, they'd be either they'll either give up or they'll be motivated to get out to the caucus and really caucus for him yeah, and be he's strong. He's got the best organization, I think, in the entire state. I talked to Steve Dace yesterday who kind of I outlined that same idea. I think Donald Trump has a pretty strong, I've heard that he is killing it on the ground. I mean, look, the poll, that poll that I mentioned that have, has DeSantis in, in third place also has Trump over 50%. The weather could definitely play a part in this, though. Uh, but it's going to be like could, 15 here. How cold is it going to be in Iowa? Uh, 15 below. Yeah, uh, really cold. Yeah, really so, cold. And if you're a Trump voter and you're thinking like, hey, he's up by 30, why right. am I really going right. to? That could really that hurt could, him. That could really yeah, throw it into chaos. really hurt yeah. him. All right, back in All just right. a minute. Thank you, Pat. Mm -hmm. Pat Gray from Pat Gray Unleashed, only on Blaze TV. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Yesterday, 
Mike Lee um, went on a rant on X. I wish Senate GOP leaders would admit that Biden already has the power to stop the border surge, but refuses to do so. And two, passing new laws, paying $106 billion as the price of admission, won't change that. When this effort fails, Biden will blame the GOP for the surge by not including Speaker Johnson in these border security negotiations to give him what he needs. Senate R's are setting up GOP to get blamed for the border. Why exclude the House Speaker in this? This gives Biden and the Democrats a massive win. Uh, Biden will never enforce the law and Dem AGs will litigate it to death and ensure that none of it takes effect. Those advocating for this deal, including members of both parties, are setting Republicans up for failure. Nothing that's in this deal, which we still haven't seen, but we've been described, it's been described to us in broad terms, would stop the current surge in the border. And some of its provisions might as well might make the surge far worse. No one believes this can pass the House because it's got serious problems. So why are we setting up Republicans? Perhaps the firm has now ousted Speaker Johnson and renamed it as the law firm of Schumer, McConnell, and Jeffries. If so, that speaks well of Speaker Johnson. Mike Lee is here to uh, talk about this. Hi, Mike. Glenn, good to be with you. Good to be with you, Senator. Um, you, uh, uh, you give me a little bit of hope because I, I've been wondering about Speaker Johnson. You're saying now that He's cut out of this in the Senate, and that might mean that he's actually a good guy. Yeah, it, it appears to me that Speaker Johnson, who I met with this morning, has not been in the loop on this at all. It appears to me also that Speaker Johnson knows that this uh, has no realistic hope of going anywhere in the House. And I believe Speaker Johnson also understands that President Biden has the authority to address the border crisis uh, in a meaningful way to get the numbers down uh, low the way they were before President Trump left office. Um, but President Biden refuses to do so. And one of the dangerous things about this game is that by setting this up, we're, we're almost taking accountability away from President Biden by buying into the narrative and implicitly furthering the narrative that says that this whole border crisis, the humanitarian crisis unfolding there, the rule of law chaos, the invasion of the United States of America by people from all over the world, including not just from Latin America, but from places like, oh, I don't know, Afghanistan and Syria, China, Iraq, China, uh, all kinds of places, Yemen, um, that, that this is occurring for want of adequate legislation or a lack of adequate federal law. It is not. Look, Glenn, the bottom line is uh, this all started and it all gets perpetuated through our asylum laws. And our asylum laws at the outset are discretionary. They're written in may language rather than shall language. They contemplate that when someone comes in, crosses our border without documentation, if they want to apply for asylum, they do so. They're supposed to be incarcerated until their claim can be adjudicated. And if and only if they're, they're deemed eligible for it, then they're admitted. Most of them are not, by the way. But what these guys are doing, they're saying, well, we ran out of bed space. We don't have enough time or people, enough beds to process all of them and hold them. So what we're going to do is just release them into the interior of the country. In fact, we're going to buy them a plane ticket. And they can board that plane without a driver's license or a passport or anything else. We'll just fly them into the country. 
and we'll tell them, have fun. Uh, we'll probably contact you for your immigration hearing, which may uh, be 10 or 12 years down the road. And within 180 days, we'll give you a work permit. That is not what the law requires. Much of that is not even what the law allows. What they could and should do is say that because uh, there is no affirmative right to asylum by anybody coming into this country without documentation, there's no affirmative right that we have to recognize. The president and Secretary Mayorkas should say, once we're no longer able to process all of them, we're going to stop uh, even considering asylum applications for people who cross our borders without documentation and thereafter seek asylum. We should be turning them around right away. This whole negotiation presupposes that this is, uh, uh, you know, somehow uh, based on a lack of adequate federal legislation. Sure, some of our laws are messed up and need to be fine-tuned. That's not the problem here. The problem is that President Biden defiantly refuses to enforce them. You you say that this law, if passed, might even make things worse. How? Well, there are elements of it that might make things better, but there are elements of it that might turn up the electromagnetic pull for illegal migrants. For example, there are provisions that would eliminate the 180-day waiting period between the time someone enters the country and is released from the initial screening into the interior of the country. They have to wait 180 days between that moment and the moment they get their work permit. This would turn that down to zero days. They would get it immediately after they're released from the initial screening period. Uh, So that's a thing. Um, Number two, while it would give a new Title 42-like authority to the president to shut down the border in in ways that we can't yet ascertain because we haven't seen bill text, they won't let us see it because they're still negotiating it. I don't know why that means we can't see it, but whatever. Uh, They're negotiating that, and that sounds great. You know, once we've achieved uh, 5,000 migrant encounters a day, and we're several times that right now, that the president would have authority in unspecified ways to sort of shut down the whole process of the border, the process by which uh, people entering by land without documentation could be brought in. But then it says it can do that for only 14 consecutive days, and initially for a maximum of 275 days per year, ratcheting down over two or three years after that to a total of 180 days. Well, guess what that does, Glenn? That allows El Chapo's successors and in interest and other like-minded international criminal cartels to game the system, to calendar around when they'll bring in these uncontrolled waves of illegal immigration. This will just guarantee that they will be able to have free reign because the president won't be able to shut it all down. Okay, so, so Mike, you know, the, the budget thing, I have been watching you and thank you for being one of the good guys and no border, no budget. That should be a mantra all around the country. No border, no budget. Um, but the Republicans are going to shoot themselves. The Mitch McConnells are going to do it again. They're going to say, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. You know, we're going to shut down the government because of these extreme Republicans who everyone knows that the border is a crisis. Everyone knows that. And I don't know why the GOP is is acting the way they do. I don't know if they're in bed just for themselves or big business or whatever. But if you've got the Mitch McConnell's and the machinery of the GOP not standing behind no border, no budget. It's just going to be a nightmare again. It, it will. 
just as it is a nightmare now. So, yeah, we need a simple demand. A simple demand is secure the border or shut it down. Now, there's some flexibility in what the it is, whether that's the whole government or the Department of Homeland Security or the White House toilet paper budget. I don't know. But regardless, there needs to be some consequence. Something, someone, somewhere needs to be defunded directly as a result of the refusal to enforce the border. And it is willful and it is politically motivated. They need to face consequences from that uh, by the Congress. Remember, you can't really pass any spending legislation without going through the Republican-controlled House. You can't even pass any spending legislation separate and apart from the Republican-controlled House without getting at least nine votes from Republicans in the Senate in addition to the 51 Democrats. So if Republicans really wanted to hold them to this, we could impose some consequence, whether that's shutting down DHS for a while until they get their act together, until they enforce the border, or much more broadly. I'm agnostic as to what exactly ought to be defunded during that period, but we've got to defund something because we can't pretend this is business as usual. We cannot, must not reward them for inviting an invasion and acting as if nothing has to change as a result of that. Mike, thanks for flying the flag and uh, trying to keep the Republic safe. I, uh, I appreciate it. Can I ask you a qu- quick question on the, the Donald Trump uh, lawsuits? Uh, yes. can, can, I mean, is the Supreme Court going to rule that this is unconstitutional? I mean, how can you keep somebody off a, off a ballot uh, quoting the Constitution if the guy has never even been charged with insurrection. Yeah, that seems really problem, problematic to me. Uh, uh, problematic on many levels, um, uh, including and especially the fact that uh, not one person, uh, certainly not Donald Trump, has even been charged with much less convicted of the crime of insurrection. Uh, uh, Donald Trump hasn't... Um, been convicted of anything close to that. He hasn't been convicted of anything, in fact. And so this is this is an act of lawlessness. There are some other more technical, uh, uh, less intuitive reasons in there. Some of the language used in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment specifically references some offices, not the presidency, um, uh, indicating that it does not apply uh, to President Trump. But in any event, for for three or four independent reasons, I will be shocked if the Supreme Court does anything over, uh, other than overturn the Colorado Supreme Court, uh, which acted lawlessly and in a pretty shameless uh, political maneuver. I will not be surprised at all if the decision is either unanimous or near unanimous. Uh, it would have to be. And they're going to have to act yeah. soon because otherwise this is going to cause a- absolute chaos. And you may, may see this metastasize throughout the country. So uh, the, the court likes to be deliberative. Uh, so this will require them to act more quickly than they normally do. But I think they will. I, I suspect that within a few weeks of argument, you may see the opinion of the, of the court released. Well, it's already too late in, in uh, Denver or in Colorado. It's already too late. Yep. They've already printed yep. the uh, ballots and his name is not on it. And there are states now saying, oh, you want to play that game? Two can play that game. I mean, this is, 
we have constitutional crisis after constitutional crisis, and I don't hear anyone calling it that. And it needs to be. But it is. Well, be, be, because, because it, is a, it is a constitutional crisis. I've issued um, and made some tweets about that one over the holidays on my base, my yeah. account that, 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 that explains some of the reasons why this thing is so out of control. Um, I even wrote um, a rudimentary song uh, about Sheena, Sheena Bellows, the Secretary of State in Maine, <laughs> who reached the same decision. Uh, <clears throat> the, the song, which I've released to no one, uh, is called, uh, it's to the tune of Sheena is a Punk Rocker by the Ramones. And uh, it's something along the lines of Sheena is a woke Marxist, but we'll leave that one for a different day. <laughs> Mike Lee, rewriting the Ramones. Fantastic. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Glenn. God bless. Remember this phrase, no border, no budget. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Peter Giedel, uh, he is the managing editor for Return for Blaze Media. He is also a tech journalist, magazine editor, essayist. He covers human stories in the digital age from crypto to AI to transhumanism. He lives in Colorado. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for, for having me on today. Uh, by the way, uh, big fan, love, love your writing. You just did something on... Uh, uh, virtual sex, uh, one of the essays, and it was unbelievable and unbelievably spot on. So, big fan. Thank you very much. That's uh, that's very kind. That uh, researching that story was it was tough talking to a lot of uh, young men who were who are dealing with an addiction yeah. addiction right now. It's uh, it was it was tough, but uh, yeah, it's it's crazy what's happening in that space and where society is yeah. going. Yeah. Um, pornography uh so tell me you're at the consumer electronics show what what is the feeling there on what's new exciting spooky what what's happening um well it's i mean you you know consumer electronics show it always is rolling out some of the coolest new tech we'll see in the year you know they've they've rolled out the vcr and uh home video game systems in the past um i'm seeing a lot of AI everything. They're trying to to integrate artificial intelligence, large large language models, with every conceivable type of technology and gadget. Now, I mean, most of these things are okay. Do you need AI for your toilet? Probably not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I think we're definitely going to see some products that break through and are u- utilizing this technology in ways. Um, that will have transformative effects on society. Like what? Um, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of integrations coming of you know there's there's forward facing consumer products like ChatGPT that that people are using, and you know sometimes it's silly stuff like making photos. But I think there's a lot in the background of like you know companies that are creating AI that could do a lot of contract work that a lot of lawyers how, do now. How far away are we from a personal assistant that is really good? I, in my opinion, we're, we're very close. We're, I, I, there's some products here already 
that are utilizing AI to basically interact with your apps. So instead of instead of researching best flights, you know, if you're trying to go to New York City for vacation, you can just tell the AI to find the app and book your plane. And it just does it with one touch. So I think it's it's very reasonable to think in within 18 months, we're going to see an assistant that's very competent and is taking away a lot of menial tasks away from away from a person. Have you seen the uh, doll Moxie yet? Um, unfortunately, it is burned in my brain. I yes, terrifying, I right? Terrifying. Yes. Okay, so Absolutely. this is a doll for children. It's a robot doll for children. Explain. Yeah. So I I wrote about this uh, in a in a diary for uh, on return, and it was in the Amazon like home of the future. So you know, it's got all kinds of creepy Amazon Alexa integrated tech where your bed is watching you at night and uh, you're, you can talk to Alexa pumps its voice um, into your head through glasses. So, you know, standard Amazon stuff, but then I got to the Moxie and it's, I mean, you almost have to see it in person to, to really realize how creepy it is, but it's this small robot with this, human-like face um, that's on a screen, but it's all integrated with ChatGPT4, and it's designed to talk to children. And, I mean, if you, if you go on YouTube, there's a lot of clips of it asking kids very creepy, weird questions, and it was incredibly disconcerting. Yeah, but good news is it'll go up to the cloud, and uh, all of that information about your child will be there forever, uh, which is... <laughs> Exactly. And, and the good thing is you don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to raise your kid anymore. You can right. just rely on this robot to do yeah. it for you. Thank you, Amazon. That's great. Um, it, what is the um, what's the talk about central bank digital currencies and, you know, kind of the uh, we're going to make all of your problems disappear. Just give us everything you are. Absolutely. There's. You know, there, there's some talk of it. You know, a lot, a lot of people, it's hard to get them on record. You know, they express fears and concerns even with, you know, they work at these tech companies, but obviously they don't want to go on record. Um, you know, the CBDC, I would encourage your listeners to do some research. There's a great, we have some articles on return kind of summarizing in their own words all the people who are advocating for this technology. Um, so it's kind of this this sort of Damocles that's hanging over everything. But one thing I'll, I'll say that I was noticing is there's a ton of companies that are harvesting biometric data, your health, your health things. And then what they're doing with that technology or with that information, no one knows there's a, there's a mirror, like a literal black mirror, (laughs) Um, <laughs> called uh, Bar- it's, it's by a company called Barracuda, Be Mind. And when you wake up in the morning, it will use technology to read your mood and what you're kind of thinking almost, and then, you know, give you soothing music to make you feel better because the mirror can tell that you're having a bad uh, <laughs> depression wow. or a bad day. And then, you know, th- again, they're harvesting all of this data. And what they're going to use it for, 
and assuming that it's going to be tied in to digital health records and then into the CBDCs, to me, is not a big leap. I think that that's, it's really right around the corner. Yeah, I tell you, the, the digital IDs are, are truly, between that and CBDC, it just shuts everything down. I mean, the total control of your life. Absolutely. Um, I was just looking at the, um, the latest return. You can just search for it, just Google return blaze, and you'll see it. The ultimate guide uh, to escaping the surveillance state. Possible, even? Is that possible? It's very difficult, but there are, there are some steps, you know, within that piece and other places online. There's things that you can start doing now to protect your digital identity, your privacy, and your sovereignty. Hmm. Um, uh, X seeks to disclose FBI surveillance requests to users. Is another story. Tech leaders building a city in California not at all worried about uh, public backlash or accusations of foreign ties, says the CEO. Um, uh, let's see. Some of the other stories. I mean, just, just really great. And your diary from CES, day one, AI everything. Um, are you generally optimistic as a human being, uh, seeing all of this stuff or not? In, I mean, I would say in, in general, I'm somebody who got into tech journalism because I actually generally love technology. And I think that there's some really cool and amazing things that we can create with this. I mean, I, I saw this company there were actually several companies are creating kind of like haptic feedback uh, canes for blind children that will give them a signal if there's someone in front of them just by kind of buzzing mm. um, on their hand. And it's, they were saying it's like really revolutionizing and helping, you know, blind children. So, there, you know, obviously there's a ton of technology that's beautiful and incredible and makes our lives better each day. But there are, there are really some trends that are very concerning about just technocratic, monopolistic, giant company control, government control over your life. And they're going to be wielding a lot of power with this information and this digital control. And I mean, you've talked about this in your books and on your show over the years. And it's, we really have to be on guard about what's coming and, you know, try to resist it as much as we can. Because it is here. I mean, we are at, I think we've, already taken our first step over the threshold into a lot of this tech that quickly can uh, enslave us in ways that you can't even imagine today. Absolutely. Peter, and I mean, I think that's no, go, go ahead. ahead. Finish. Oh, I was just, you know, I think the, you know, James Polos founded return. Uh, he's the host of zero hour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our, our goal is to, to try and hold on to our humanity in the digital age. And, you know, it's hard, but it's worthwhile. Peter uh, Giedel, he is Blaze Media Managing Editor for Return, uh, the tech magazine put out by Blaze. You can get it if you're a Blaze TV Plus subscriber. If you Google it, you're, you're going to be able to find uh, at least the, one of the later episodes, the latest episode, I think, today, or the latest uh, edition of it. Um, Peter, thank you very much. Thank you very much.